If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out while they receive the offering. You're going to need a Bible this morning, and so make sure you pull out your Bible. Um, if you forgot your Bible at home, you forgot your Bible um, in the car, that's okay. There's a Bible underneath the seat you're sitting in, and so you can reach down there. You can grab that Bible. It's a white Bible. You can pull that out. We're in Colossians 3. Colossians 3 is where we are going to be this morning, and that's on page uh, 573. Colossians 3, page 573. Colossians 3, page 573. We've been in the book of Colossians now um, for uh, several months. Um, this, is our, this is our second to last week in Colossians. We only have two more weeks, and then it's, then it's Christmas, baby. It's going to be fun, Advent time, singing some carols. I can't wait. Uh, December 3rd, we're launching into um, our, our Advent season here at Flourishing Grace. I'm truly excited about that. But for the next two weeks, this week and next week, we're in um, Colossians 3 um, on page 573. Also, also, um, this morning, we're trying something new that we've never done here before at Flourishing Grace. Um, we want to create a space for people in the room, that's, that's you, um, to engage with uh, your minds, with what is happening in the Word, to, to press back, to share um, your, your doubts, and to ask, and ask real questions. If you have a question about what we talk about this morning, about the text, or maybe just about Flourishing Grace, or about really anything, I guess, maybe not anything, don't ask me where babies come from. Um, don't do that. Um, but if you have a question about the text this morning or, or about Flourishing Grace, uh, you can text it to the number there on the screen. And at the end of our gathering, um, you can text it right now. And then at the end of our gathering, we will, we will respond to those questions um, as best we can. Now, if this turns into stump the pastor time, I promise you, all right, I will find out who you are and I'll bring you up here. Uh, just kidding. I won't do that. I will, I will not do that. You'll know if it doesn't work um, because you'll get, a, you'll get a text from somebody, a random person that's saying, like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, that's how you know it didn't work. But I promise you, it'll, it'll work. Just trust me. All right. Colossians 3 is where we are. Um, this morning, I, I promised you last week, right? This morning is the good. It is, it, is the, it is the yes, finally, right? Putting on the new is where we're going to go this morning. We're, we're going to talk about this idea of, of a new life in Christ, putting on the new self, putting on all, all the goodness that comes with Christ. And I said last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go online to flourishinggrace.org slash only Jesus and listen to, to last week and, and go back and read read the first um, 12 verses, the first 11 verses from Colossians 3 um, that we talked about last week, um, because you must, we must, we must put off the old before we can ever put on the new. You cannot, you cannot put on the new without putting off the old. If you try, if you attempt, what you will experience um, is kind of this, this half-hearted, um, wishy-washy, kind of fake um, exhausting faith. I, I promise you, and, and I would argue that the majority of Christians, many of us in this room this morning, if not the majority of us in this room this morning, um, that's the life that we live, honestly. We, we live lives that are just tired and exhausted, and, and our faith is the same thing. We want the quick and easy faith. We want the quick and easy everything, right? Um, we, no, nobody reads the newspaper anymore. 
All right, now some of you, I know some of you are like, no, I love the newspaper, right? But, but the newspaper is dying. It's, it's gone. It's over. We don't want the news anymore. We want, we want the quick sound bite. I want just a short little video that tells me everything that's going on in the world in like 30 seconds. I just want, I just want a quick little tweet. That's all I need. I just, you know, I just want to read the headlines, and, I, and, I, and I, I've got it. I don't need any more than that. We, we want what's quick and what's easy, and the same is true within our faith. What we do is we move through these cycles where we are, um, where, where everything in life begins to press in and crush in. Um, and, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but my guess is, is that for a lot of us, that's actually why you are here this morning. It's, be, it's because something in your life has, has stirred uh, the reality that, that things are broken. Maybe the doctor called and it's, and it's bad news. Maybe your, maybe your spouse came in and said, man, I don't think I want to be married anymore. Maybe your kid up and walked out on you in a fit of anger and rage. Maybe um, your boss called and said, hey, man, tomorrow, Monday morning, you don't have a job here anymore. I don't know what it looks like for you, but what we do is, is we allow the, the things of this world to, to crush us, to bring us low, and then we kind of work and work and work and work and work and work and work, work our way back to this, this, this moment that we experienced in our past a long time ago. Maybe for you as junior high or high school or college, you, you came to know Jesus. And in that moment, everything was made new. Everything was right in that moment. Everything was good. And ever since then, you've been fighting and fighting and fighting to get back to that feeling, to get back to that feeling. And so you come in um, to Flourishing Grace this morning. You're like, man, I hope Pete plays that song that gives me that feeling. A song that on the radio that I just love when it comes on because it gives me that feeling. I hope that Josh preaches a sermon that gives me that feeling. And you, and you get it. You receive it. Maybe. Probably not here. But you, you receive it someplace. Like, yeah. It feels good. It feels right. And you go back into the world. And you forget about putting on the new, and the, you just put back right back on the old, and it wears you down, it wears you down, it wears you down, it wears you down, and you come back in limping and exhausted and tired again. And this is the cycle that we walk through. This is the cycle of our lives. Are any of you here this, this morning experiencing that? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just saying, I know you are. I know you are. And this is what Paul is combating. This is what he's combating in Colossians 3. He's saying, man, God has so much more for you than that. That's not how he's designed it to be. That's not the life that he's called you to. That's not, that's not, that's not living out the gospel in your life. That's, that's not it. It's not this, this long, steady, upward transformation, this, this long faithfulness in the same direction. He has more for you. Then this, this mountain and valley, this roller coaster faith of exhaustion. He has more for you than that. That's not how he designed it to be. And so you must, you must, go back to last week, you must put off the old. You have to put to death what is earthly in you, Paul says, right? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. The things in your life that are killing and robbing your joy, that are killing and robbing your relationship with Christ, the things that are killing and robbing the relationship with your, with your spouse or your kids, the things that are killing and robbing um, the way that you even view yourself within your career, the things that are, that, are, that are creating with you desires for things that you should not be desiring, whether that's, whether that's a person or a thing, right? We must put those things to death. We must destroy and kill those things. 
and they are in you, and they're in me. I don't know what it is for you, right? Last week, I challenged you all. I said, listen, for one week, for one week, journal or write on your, take, take out your phone and your notes and, and write every single moment that you experience temptation, every single moment you experience sin, write it down, write it out. We must identify and confess. This is what we talked about last week, right? Identify and confess. We must identify the sin in our lives. We must begin to take it more seriously. We must see what it is for you. Maybe it's a person at your office that you've begun to picture a relationship with that's not your spouse, a future with, a person at the gym that you've begun to uh, lust over. Maybe it's, maybe it's anger and anxiety in your life when things don't go rightly the way that you think that they should always go, um, which is life, by the way, right? But you, your reaction is just overwhelming anxiety and rage towards everyone around you in that moment. Maybe it's laziness. You just decided, man, forget it. I cannot adult today. I'm just going to kind of put it all off. And I'm just going to be lazy. Maybe it's a desire for, for more notoriety, more fame. Maybe it's a desire for more wealth and more possessions. These are the things that make me feel good and make me feel right. We begin to pursue things that are not of Christ, the things that are of this world. But ultimately, they're robbing our joy because we're caught in this loop of always needing more. And it never filling us, never being content, never experiencing true joy and true contentment. And so we must identify those things and then we confess them before God. God, here, here is my failure. Here is my brokenness. He, here is where I, have, where I have sinned against you and rebelled against you. Here's where I've chosen myself and chosen to build my own kingdom. And here's where I've chosen to um, create what's good for Josh and not what's good for you or anyone else around me. He, here's where I've allowed anger and anxiety to take over my life. Here's the person that I've begun to lust over and to have feelings for that's not my spouse. We confess those things before God. And so as we identify and as we confess, we come to this place, this right and good place. The next thing that we do, and this is what we're going to talk about today, we must recall or remember and renew. We must remember and renew. This is where Paul's taking us, right? Last week was all about, man, what is, what is earthly in us? Identify it and then kill it. Confess it. What is in you that is, that is killing you? We must be killing sin or it's killing us. Now, how do, we, how do we put on the new? We remember, we recall, and then we renew. And, and this, is where, this is where Paul's going to go. The very next verse after last week, the very next verse is verse 12. And he's going he's gonna to give us a list of things to put on, but before he does that, he's going to give us three things that describe us before God. Three things that are true of every follower of Jesus. And I know not everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus, but if you are, these three things, if you've given your life to him, you've declared with your life only Jesus. I want to follow you. I've submitted all that I am to you. I declare that you are king of kings and you are Lord of lords and I am not. And so I give my life to you. These three things are true of you. Here's what Paul says. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, right? Three things. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Chosen, holy, and beloved. This is how Paul describes his audience. 
This is how he describes you. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, this is how he describes you. You see, here's what he's just done. He, he has, he's brought the sin out of, out of our lives and exposed it, right? We've identified it. We have confessed it. Now, where does that leave us? Where does that leave you? If you are a person who has taken sin seriously and you've identified sin in your life, you've identified where it's killing moments of your marriage, where it's killing moments with your children, where it's killing moments of your career or your entire marriage, your entire kid kids, your entire career, right, where you've identified where it's, where it's chipping away at you and killing parts of you, right, um, and you've, you've confessed it before God, you say, God, I am broken, I have, I have lashed out in anger, I've been filled with anxiety over things that don't matter, I've lusted over people, I've been lazy, I have not followed you, where does that leave us? I am so fill in the blank, Un- unworthy. I am so broken. I'm such a failure. I, I am so dirty and stained. I am, I, am, I am unworthy of your goodness. I'm unworthy of your trade. I, I am I just, I'm not you. I, I am a failure. That's where it leaves us, but we can't stop there because that's not true. Paul says we must, we must remember or recall to our minds the fullness of the gospel of Jesus. Paul says, listen, you are chosen. Yes, you who are who's laying in a, in a puddle of your sin on the ground, broken, um, bo- broken by your sin, you who, who are there fully exposed before God, you are chosen by him. He knew your sin. Before, before the beginning of time, he knew your sin. He created you anyway. chosen by him. He chose to engage you. You are, you are beloved and you are holy. Christ has made you holy. You see, there's three different types of people when it comes to this idea of recalling the gospel to our minds. There, there are people who do this rightly, right? They, they identify, they confess, and they recall, and they remember, right? Um, and, that, and that's good and right and, and, and right. That's where we want to be. But I would say the majority of us are in other, are two other categories, the majority of us fall into two other categories. Some of us in this room struggle with this idea hard. For you, you are wearing today, today, even as I say these words, you are wearing today guilt and shame from a sin, from sin that, is, that happened years ago. Something that you engaged in years ago, you are still wearing it. You're still carrying it around like it's a, like it's a pet. Like, you know, it's just, you're, you're just limping underneath the weight of this thing that happened in your past. And you replay it in your mind again and again and again. And you mourn and you suffer and you cry. And you feel guilt and shame because, because you just can't seem to be free of that addiction. You can't seem to be free um, of this thing that haunts your life. And no matter how many times you, you come to church, no matter how many times you sing that song and it makes you feel good inside, it always creeps back in. You've pursued and you've chased an emotion, not a savior. And you're exhausted by it. 
And so you come back in this morning, you're here today because you just can't seem to get it off your back. And what you need to hear this morning, you need to recall the gospel. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. You see, every single day that you live with that sin on your back is a day that you don't experience the fullness of the gospel in your life. Christ knew that sin before the foundation of the world, and he chose to create you. And he chose to wade into your brokenness, and he chose to give his life for it. And it has been paid for fully, completely, 100% paid for. And not only that, he has taken your unrighteousness, and he has removed it from you, and he has extended his own righteousness to us on the cross. He bleeds the ground red. He gives his life as a perfect, blameless, spotless sacrifice for you and for me. And you are now covered by his grace. You have been made holy. And when he looks at you, even in the moment of your sin, even in the act of that sin, holiness and beloved, you are loved, man. You are loved beyond what you can begin to imagine, right? When every, every single night when my little boy Winston goes to bed, we give him a kiss on the, on the cheek and we say, man, Winston, I love you. I love you. And it's true. It's right. But you see, ultimately, that, what, what, is that, what does that mean? It's just, it's just a repetitive thing. And we're told all the time that, man, God loves us. 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 What you must understand is that even in his moment, even in Winston's moment of brokenness, in the, in the moment where he has sinned, and he's rebelled against me, and he's rebelled against God, and he's, and he's acted out. And in that moment, he is sobbing, and he is mourning what he has done, and he feels bad about what he's done. I come alongside and say, Winston, buddy, listen, I love you. I, I don't love you any less in the moment of brokenness than, than I do when you've been a perfect little kid all day long. I, I love you the same. Which carries more weight? Which, carries, which, which is heavier for him? Which, which reminds him? Which, which, which teaches him more how much I love him? It's in our brokenness that we are exposed to the greatness of the love that Christ has for you. It's, it's in the dark hour that we see the love of God more clearly than we ever had before. We recall the gospel to our lives after. After. We've identified and confessed. You see, if you, just, if you just recall the gospel of your life, you fall into the third category. The third category is the person um, who walks around and says, uh, listen, listen, I, I know, I know, I know I've sinned, but, but listen, there's grace, right? There's grace upon grace upon grace. I, I, listen, God, God loves me. I'm holy. I'm beloved, right? right? I mean, I'm chosen, and so it's okay. I, I know I pulled out my phone and I looked at some things that maybe I shouldn't have looked at, but it's, listen, it's okay because there's grace that covers that. And then the next day you do it again. It's okay. Listen, I know it's okay because there's grace that covers that. I'm chosen. I'm holy. I'm beloved. It's okay. I know I just unleashed an unimaginable amount of anger onto my child. And I know he didn't deserve it or she didn't deserve it. But it's okay because there's grace for that. I know that I spoke harshly to my spouse. But it's okay because there's grace for that. I know I'm lazy and I just don't even care. I don't even want to invest in anything in life right now. But it's okay because there's grace for that. No, it's not okay. It is not okay. You see, what you fail to understand is that what is cost 
God so much cannot be cheap for you and I. And you have no fear of God. You have no understanding of his word, no, no, no affection for Christ. You're only pursuing what is good to you. And you're leaning on cheap grace that will not be there for you in the end. And I don't, I don't say that to scare you. Maybe I do say it to scare you. I don't say it because I don't, I don't love you. I say it because I do love you. There's a way to our sin. And until we, we identify and confess it and mourn it, blessed are those who mourn. Do we mourn it? Do we find sorrow there? We will never know the fullness of the gospel. We'll never. It, it'll always be this, this cheap, costless, empty grace. I mean, it's a lie that we tell ourselves, this facade, this, this broken facade of religion that's just not true. It's not true. Sin has cost both us and God. And so we fight to identify it, to put it off. But then, then, then we recall the gospel to ourselves. Then we remind ourselves, we pick ourselves up off the floor and we say, man, I'm holy and I am beloved. I am chosen by God. And friends, if that is you, if you've been carrying that baggage around, drop it. This morning, drop it. Don't ever pick it back up again. Don't ever pick that back up again. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Recall the gospel this morning and never pick that back up again. Leave it laying here this morning and never pick it back up again. Be free from it. Know the freedom in Christ. But if you are one who does not mourn your sin, your God. Know that what has cost him much cannot be cheap for you. Wrestle with your sin. Know your sin. Identify your sin and confess that before him. Mourn your sin. When was the last time you cried over your sin? It'd be a regular occurrence for us. But then it stops there. We bury it. We kill it. We remove it. And we recall the gospel in our lives. The next thing we do, then and only then, are we ready to put on the new? We put on the new. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, that's who you are in Christ, put on, then, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another if one another has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You must also forgive and above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, when we are in the position where we know that we have sinned and we mourn that sin and we, we realize, man, I am not good, but God has been good to me. He has made me holy. He has made me beloved. Right now we are ready. Now we're ready because, because holy, chosen, holy, and beloved, do not wear lust. Chosen, holy, and beloved, do not wear anger. Chosen, holy, and beloved, do not wear um, adultery. Chosen, chosen, holy, and beloved, do, do not wear jealousy. Chosen, holy, and beloved, do not wear um, uh, evil desires. Chosen, holy, and beloved, do not covet other people's things. Chosen, holy, and beloved, um, do not pursue the things of this world. They pursue one thing. Only one thing, Christ. 
chosen and holy, beloved, when, when we reach this place where we have identified, confessed, and recalled the gospel, everything in the world fades away, and there's only one thing that remains, Christ, and we pursue him. You see, the goal is not compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, humility. That's not the goal. The goal is Christ, right? Paul, talk, we talked about this last week in verse 10, right? Um, Put on then the new, which is being renewed into what? The image of its creator. Paul says elsewhere, you're being transformed from one degree of glory to another into the likeness of Christ. In, in Romans, in, in Romans uh, 13, 14, he says, put on then the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In, verse, in, in John 1, 4, 8, right, he says, If anyone who does not love God, does, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? So when Paul says um, in verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, right, which is, which is true. 1 Corinthians 13, um, Paul talks about this idea. He says, man, the, kind of the famous love passage, um, he says, man, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you speak in the tongues of angels. It doesn't matter if you have all wisdom and knowledge. It doesn't matter if you have a faith that moves mountains. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you deliver your body to be burned. If you don't have love, you have nothing. You have nothing because you don't have Christ. You don't have the God who is love. You, you, have, you have nothing. And so let's, let's fight to put on Christ. Let's fight to draw near to him. Let's fight to renew what has been made new, right? We are made new. The, the, the inside is made new at the moment, the moment we trusted Christ. And Paul talks about this in, in chapter 2. In, in chapter 2, he says, man, you've been made alive. You've been made alive. You're fully forgiven. You're fully cleansed. You're fully washed. It's, it's over. It's done. Your, your sin is, is gone. You are justified before Christ. You've been made new. You've been risen to life in Christ, right? Chapter 3, verse 1, right? For, the, for those who have been risen to life in Christ, you're made new. But the new is being renewed. On the inside, I'm fully cleansed, fully redeemed, and I will spend eternity um, in glory with Christ, wearing his righteousness because he has made me righteous. I'm chosen, holy, and beloved. But my outside, my flesh, what you all see every day and what I see in you, right? There's still a war going on between what is renewed in me and what is being renewed. So I'm putting to death and I'm putting on Christ. And the goal is not to, to find compassion, Right? And this is, then this is where it becomes exhausting for us because we're like, okay, I got to act like a Christian. I got I to gotta be compassionate. I got to be merciful. I got to be uh, kind. I got to be patient. I got to be all these things. That's exhausting. You can't be all those things. Your flesh cries out against those things. It wars against those things. Only Christ can transform us and shape us and remold us through the power of the Holy Spirit as the, as the fruit of the Spirit becomes produced in our lives as we put off the old and we put on Christ, we become more like Christ. And that is the goal. That's the hope. That's the end game is to become more like Him. We become transformed. Verse 15, and this is what it looks like. For us as individuals and for our community, this is what it looks like. And let's which is a different language, right? He's been saying, put on, put on, put on, put on. Now he's just like, just let. If you put it on, 
right? You're, you're pursuing Christ, only Jesus. Just let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Just, just be thankful. Let thankfulness be produced in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Right? So this is what's happening inside of us. There's these three things. As we pursue Christ, um, we are experiencing more and more and more of the peace of Christ in our lives. Anxiety, anger, sorrow, lust, greed, diminish. Because we're putting them off. We're putting them off moment by moment by moment by moment. Every single day, every single moment, we're fighting to put it off. And we're allowing the peace. And we're pursuing Christ and his peace is filling our lives. Thankfulness is filling our lives. We're marked by peace and thankfulness in the word of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, the, the word of Christ. We're filled with that. We're filled with the knowledge that we are chosen, holy, and beloved, that Christ has given everything for us, that, our, that his righteousness clothes us, and there's no longer a fear before God, so we can draw near to him. And so our lives are marked by the peace of Christ, thankfulness towards Christ, and then finally, just this full understanding of the gospel, this freedom in Christ. Peace, thankfulness, and freedom fills our lives. But then, but then, but then, but then, it begins to pour out into the lives around us. And, and we're going to talk more about this next week, what, this, what it actually looks like in your family, in your marriage, in your, in your kids. But the, for this morning, here's where Paul goes. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts towards God, in whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of Christ, the Lord Jesus, who gives, who gives, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It pours out, teaching, admonishing, these singing songs and spiritual hymns, this thankfulness, this mercy, this, this forgiveness, it pours out of our lives, not because we've pursued those things, but because we've pursued Christ, it pours out. And so, so I long for my wife to know compassion. And so I don't pursue compassion. I pursue Christ. And he produces true compassion in me rather than this fake, false, temporary compassion that just is exhausting for me. And I know it'll last for a season and then I'll forget about it and I'll become filled with anxiety and anger and rage once more. I want my, my boys to, to know a dad um, who is filled with peace and mercy and forgiveness for them. And so I pursue Christ because Christ is going to produce a life of steadfast peace and mercy and forgiveness in me rather than pursuing those things, which I know I can achieve temporarily. I can be peaceful for like an hour or so. I can, I can do that, right? It takes everything I got, all right? Uh, everything in me, and I'm exhausted by the end, right? But, and I can, I can produce it for a moment, but I know the cycle will come back around in, this, in my flesh. The things of this earth will once again reign over them and will crush those boys. And so I must fill my life with Christ so that, so that, so that, my wife, my boys, and ultimately you all, and, and that you would do the same for me, 
that we would, that we would teach each other and admonish each other, that, that the word of Christ would come out of me and fill you, and that the word of Christ would come out of you and fill me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about this idea in his book, Life Together. For those of you who have been around Flourishing Grace, you know my hero is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We talk about Bonhoeffer a lot. Um, Bonhoeffer was... Um, he, he was a theologian in Nazi Germany, a pastor. He led an underground church and an underground seminary um, in Nazi Germany and ultimately was arrested and, and, and put in a Nazi concentration camp and hung for his faith in Christ. Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, talks about what does is, what is true Christian community look like. And he says this, he says, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself without the lie and the truth. He needs his brother as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation, the word of Christ. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. And that also clarifies the goal of all Christian community. They meet, they meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation or the word of Christ. It's what we do. It's who we are called to be. Image bearers of Christ. And this is where Paul goes in the, in the last verse, in, the, in that verse 17, he says, what, and, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whether, whether you're here on a Sunday or whether you're in the office on Monday or whether you're with your family on Tuesday night, wh whatever you do, wherever you are, whoever you're with, if you do it in word, if it comes out of your mouth, if you do it in deed, if it's an action, do everything in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What fills us in Christ pours out into the world around us, and the world around us takes note. You see, for, for those of us who have struggled, and I said it's the majority of us, and, and I, I promise you, you're not alone. If your faith is an exhausting effort for you, that's not how it's meant to be. It's not how it's meant to be. If your, faith, if your faith feels just skin deep, it's not how it's meant to be. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the gospel dwell in you richly. Let, let his peace dwell in you richly. It's meant to be deep and authentic and true and real. And the world should take note. They should say, man, you're not the same person you were five years ago. Who are you? I'm more like Christ. You don't treat people the same way you did a few years ago. Yeah, I treat them more like Christ. And we're transformed from one degree of glory to another into his likeness as we, as we put off the old and put on the new, as we identify our sin moment by moment. This is not an every 30-day thing. It's an every 30-second thing. Where is sin creeping in? Where is my flesh taking hold? Where am I doing things that are ultimately killing me and the people around me? Killing my relationship with Christ. Where is that? identify it, confess it before God, mourn, let us be mourners of our sin, let us cry over that sin, but then let us recall the gospel and live free from that sin. Put it off completely, put it to death completely, and put on then as chosen, holy, and beloved, put on Christ. Let our lives be marked by one thing and one thing only, Jesus. Let us become more like him. If you pursue 
Passion, mercy, peace. I promise you, it's, it's good. It'll feel good in the moment. But it will let you down. Because those things are not Christ. Christ must be the one who gives you those things. As we pursue him through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are given those things. We are transformed into his likeness to become more like him. That is the goal. That's the end game, friends. That is, the, that is the, the long faithfulness in the same direction, this upward tick, this upward movement of sanctification, becoming more like him. It's not a roller coaster. It's not a, it's not a quick fix. I just need a quick fix. I need to sing that song that makes me feel better. Mourning our sin, recalling the gospel, and putting on what is new. Again and again and again. This is why we gather. This is why we do small groups. This is, why we, this, this is why we do all that we do, that we might become more like him, that we might be led into a flourishing relationship with Jesus. That's my prayer for you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray a dangerous prayer. I pray that you would expose us, that you'd expose each man and each woman in this room, that you'd expose our very soul, that you'd expose the desires of our heart, um, that we'd be laid bare before you. Our greed, our insecurities, the moments where we think somebody doesn't like us because they told us not to do something. The, the moment that we think that we somehow are right and owners of things in this world, and we begin to we become, we become consumed with our own desires, our own comfort, our own, our own security. I want what's comfortable for me. When, when, when anxiety or anger begin, begins to dwell within us and raise its head, close us. Allow us to feel the weight of that. But don't allow us to live in it. Help us to recall the gospel. Recall what is true about grace, what is true about how you see us and how you view us. And let's put it off, put it to death. But yet, not just stop there. We fight to become more like you. So the next time we don't cling to those things, so the next time the anxiety doesn't swell within us, so the next time the anger doesn't lash out, so the next time the lust doesn't pour into our minds, help us to become more like you. Help us to identify. Help us to confess. Help us to recall and help us to renew. The goal is you. My, our lives be marked by only you. I pray these things in your name. Amen.